Hello everyone and welcome back to the Shuttle Pod. Uh, I'm your host Matt and I'm joined by my other co-host Brian. Hey everybody. Jared. Greetings. And Lori. Hello. Hi, alright all. Well, so we're recording this on December 11th, 2019. and um, This is kind of a special episode that, that's a little different than some. We wanted to take just a time out here and discuss the unfortunate loss of two really big people in the Star Trek franchise that have happened over the last uh, like couple of weeks now. Um, Dorothy Fontana and then just recently Renee Aubergeois. We lost him as well, which is yeah. a little more surprising. Yeah. Um, and so we just want to, you know, take take an episode and discuss the contributions, especially of Dorothy, who sometimes I think didn't always get the due, you know, that she deserved. And, you know, we'll just we're just going to chat. We just want to chat about these people because I think it's and worth, celebrate them. Exactly. I think it's worth celebrating them. So let's uh, let's talk about Dorothy DC Fontana for a minute here. I think she's one of those people that if you don't know her name, you should. Mm. <laughs> but Absolutely. if you don't, but if you don't, uh, I can kind of understand why because she. We've talked about this on our podcast before with the other Gene, like Gene Kuhn, often didn't get his due. And I think a little bit of that is true. Unfortunately, happened with Dorothy Fontana, at least for a while. I think maybe I think more recently people have decided to really understand, you know, really seen who she was and what her, her contributions were. But I think for a long time she might have gotten a little bit of the short shrift. So I don't think in the long run as much as Gene Kuhn, though, because he died so early. Right. I th- and that's right. I, yeah. I think I agree with that. I think because Gene Kuhn wasn't here to talk, you know, and yeah, represent yeah, yeah. himself. Yeah. Yeah. He, he's definitely underrepresented. But yeah. Um, yeah. So I, let, would, let's, I uh, would put Bob Justman in that same category. Oh, I yes. agree. Bo- yeah, Bob Justman. Bob, Bob yeah. Justman is another hero. I mean, to he me, is. the original Star Trek is the two genes. Yep. Dorothy and Bob and Justman. Bob Justman. Huh. Yeah. Those, that's, that, totally those agree. The, the, four, the four titans of the original. That's your Mount series. Rushmore. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Of the original series. Of the original question. series, I agree. And you know what? I might throw in Leonard Nimoy because he contributed so much to the actual creation of the the character also. Mm. Sure. Like in a way that was, I Absolutely. think, a little different from everybody else. Sure. And, and, then, and then, of course, he had so much to do with the movies, which the other guys didn't. Yeah. Very true. Anyway. Um, I did want to say something regarding how Dorothy's profile maybe wasn't as high as it should be. I think it was for a time. Sure. Um, she was very active on the fan circuit, especially in the early days of the conventions, and she was there a lot at conventions quite a bit. She contributed to, I think, the first major fanzine. Yeah. She did. Was, she interviewed was, everybody for it, was, it, too. Yeah. Yeah. Inside Star Trek, I think it was called. It was, um, it was like a kind oh, of yeah. like a, mm-hmm. an officially, unofficially recognized fanzine that, that was running during the course of the original series, I believe. That's right, yeah. Um, and she was, I think, like I said, a much more high-profile f- figure in the 70s and probably into the 80s. I think what happened to Dorothy is things went bad at TNG, mm. and, she and, and she and David Gerald both kind of receded from Star Trek after that. Right, right. And I think that had a lot more to do with it than anything. And we can yeah. get into We can get yeah, to that I, later I about think, what I think happened right. to TNG. But I think that had a lot to do with it. Because if you look at, like, early books from, you know, from that era, like Inside Star Trek, you know, the Whitfield book, the making mm-hmm. of Star Trek, um, and a few other, I think, David Gerald's book in World of Star Trek, Dorothy is prominently mentioned in both those books. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's true. I You're think right. there's a photograph of Dorothy, actually, in the Whitfield book. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it just, I think just time has kind of, you know, and Dorothy chose to keep a low profile for the most part. So. Which, you know, I can't blame her for that. Yeah, I was hoping she was going to show up in Vegas for the 50th, but she wasn't That would interested. have been awesome, yeah. yeah. I think I she would have been she surprised. She wasn't really interested. I yeah, know. I think she wasn't really interested in, in, That's a bummer. in doing it. I guess she, she'd been there, done that, and she was just finished with it. Well, I think she would have been surprised at the outpouring of love she would have gotten in 2016 yeah. oh, if yeah. she had gone. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
I'm sorry, Laura, were you going to say something? Oh, no, I was just going to say, I think she's, you know, I was reading those books when I was a kid. So I've known mm-hmm. about her for that long. And I think anyone who oh, delved yeah. into those books absolutely knew how important she was to the whole thing. Right. And mm-hmm. then it's just, right. you know, that was a long time ago. So not everybody <laughs> is reading making of original series books. Um, yeah. Hopefully yeah, enough but... people are. I'll tell you, it's funny. I wanted to refer. I have Inside Star Trek, the Bob Justman Herb Solo book. Oh, yeah. Herb Solo book. All day I've been meaning to just, I'm going to flip it open before the podcast. I actually tore my entire house apart looking for it. Couldn't find it anywhere. And now I'm sitting Uh, at the table and I'm looking directly across at a bookshelf and it's just right there. Like within (laughs) my sight line of where I'm sitting right now. Oh, man. Yeah. Hiding in plain sight. (laughs) So Dorothy's playing a little joke on me, I guess. I, I guess so. Um, but she's been one of my writing heroes since I was a, a wee little Trek nerd. Yeah. yeah, Dorothy's a major force in in making Star Trek what it is. Dorothy was there back when Gene was creating outlines of what Star Trek was going to be. Exactly. I mean, yeah. Dorothy. Dorothy had written, I think, a couple of things right before. Like you know, at the, she was a fledgling screenwriter. She was she started in Hollywood when she was very young. I think. She started writing for, like, Ben Casey. And she was, like, 22, 23 years old. She wrote a couple of scripts for them. And then, you know, like most screenwriters, you, you know, you're not going to work regularly in most cases. So she took a... I think she was working as a temp. And then Gene Roddenberry's regular secretary got sick. And Gene yeah, needed that's... somebody. And Dorothy yep. stepped in. Yep. And, you know, I think Gene learned very quickly that she was a writer herself. And... I think he bounced he would give her outlines she would type up all this stuff obviously so all the early outlines of when gene was you know going around hollywood trying to sell trek all that stuff dorothy was in on all of that stuff yeah so she was at the ground level with gene hmm. what's interesting is that she'd written like a, a fair amount of tv before that but every yeah. time things finished she would go back into the typing pool is what I read. Mm-hmm. Like she sold six episodes of one show. So, she's working for Samuel go. Peoples, and then she just goes back into the typing pool. So because they don't know what to do with women, right? Because she, so like, she goes uh, back to the steno right. pool, like uh, yeah, Pe- so she, Peggy on Mad Men. Yeah, that's crazy though. Yeah, that is. So nuts she, but she was a full fledged writer worth something, and they just went, "Oh, I guess she should go back to the secretarial right. pool because we don't know what to do." And no, in that oh, era, geez. there were women writers working in Hollywood, but they mostly worked on either soaps. Or yep. comedies, yeah. of course. Comedies. Yeah, there so, weren't a lot yeah. of like action adventure nope. shows with that true. Had women writers on them. Yeah, so it's yeah, true. so she was definitely she was pushing against that. But so she, you know, Jean solicited her input, and I'm sure she had some really good things to to you know to tell. Yeah, them. I mean, when you look at things like what the outline of what Charlie X was in a, in a kind of rough idea from Jean, and then what it morphed into. Mm. Most of that, I'm pretty sure, is Dorothy's work. I mean, she did the final teleplay on it, so I'm pretty sure that's true, you yeah. know? I don't love that episode, to be honest with you. No, no neither no, do but, I. But, I mean, but it's, I think it could have been a lot worse <laughs> without Dorothy's. Oh, yeah, of course. Of you know, course. It's, a, it's a little clunky. <laughs> it is it's very, You know what it is? It, yeah. It's very early on. It's that's very part early. of the problem. Yeah. And it's kind of got... It, it's very, it's very stereotypical sci-fi kind of thing. See, well, I, I, in a way. I've always looked at an episode like Charlie X as something that um, was an, a mediocre Star Trek that would have been a pretty good half-hour Twilight Zone episode. Hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, it's definitely got the Twilight Zone-ish roots to it for sure. Yeah, kind of the the horror component to it. Yeah. Right, especially because especially the disembodied people that come for him at the end. That's yeah, very, yeah, you know, right. yeah. But I still like I, the no face. That's my favorite. The, yeah, that's right. No laughing or whatever. Boom. Mm-hmm. Your face Boom, is gone. No face. Yeah. yeah send, that's send, freaky. send him to the cornfield. Exactly. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, it is, and, it is very and, much. Yeah. And since we are talking about Charlie X, we should note that Robert Walker Jr. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, also died know. in the past yeah. week. We've also lost him recently. Yeah. He was 79 years old. But back to Dorothy. She understood what Jean was trying to create so early on because she was part of it so early yes. on, which is what made her no so question. able to work well within that format and really understand yeah. it, even though sci-fi was mm-hmm. not her thing before that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, I completely agree. She had a very strong grasp on what made good good Star Trek. I don't, did any of you read the, the Cushman books? I know they're controversial. No. The Cushman books. No. Uh, 
it's not so much the stuff I'm about talking about is not so much about Cushman's conclusions so much as the access he had to memos. And in the first two seasons, you know, somebody would submit who wasn't on staff, like either a blind submission or submitted to an agent, whatever they'd send something in. And then, you know, Roddenberry would send it out. Roddenberry or Coon would send it out to Dorothy and Bob Justman. And, you know, right. basically the base, the brain trust of the series to solicit, you know, input about different drafts and whatnot. And every single time Dorothy just would be spot on with these analyses of why this doesn't work dramatically or why Star Trek is, this is not how Star Trek is supposed to be approached. Like all this other stuff, like it, it's very obvious in, in the, the memos that you read. Right. That that she had an extreme, very early on, had a very strong grasp of what Star Trek was. Hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, so she started as a, like anybody else on the show, she was a, uh, you know, kind of a freelance writer. And then I think This Side of Paradise was kind of messy. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And, and it was the, quite a mess, if you read Yeah, and yeah. The, the show's uh, story editor, Steven Karabatsos, was leaving. And Gene said, listen, if you can clean up this mess, you can have the story editor job. Oh, wow. Yep. Yeah, and she Which wrote this side of paradise. It and came out did. well, and Gene gave her the job. <laughs> and that's that a great episode. And of course, it's it like is. seminal yeah. Spock episode for sure. Yeah, yeah. that yeah. every top yeah. every top ten list has that episode on it. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. when the, the day Leonard died that night, I came home, and that's the episode I watched. Oh, yeah, Aww. for sure. Yeah, and my friend Steve, who you, who you all know, Steve, he we talked the following day, and he said I watched Trek last night because of Leonard he goes I said what'd you watch he said this side of paradise oh yeah. nice yeah yeah it's a very he it's best It we can come out right now and say that Dorothy outside of Leonard Nimoy Dorothy had a, the best handle on who Spock was oh yeah mm. no question no and question. Vulcans in general but his whole story yeah. for sure and she would yeah. what I love is that she'd pick up on a fragment of a sentence that was in one episode and it would <clears> intrigue her and then she'd want to explore that yeah. in another episode which I thought was really yeah. cool yeah, I mean, big Spock episodes like, besides the side of Paradise, you know, Journey to Babel is a Which huge. Is, yeah, and that's all Dorothy. Yep. Yeah, and that's just a huge like top twenty yeah. Star Trek episode. I mean, oh, that's yeah. just, mm-hmm. you know. yep. That's how we got. That's how we figured out what other Vulcans behaved like. You know, yeah. really mm-hmm. right. And so. like you know, we barely knew anything about Spock's parents up to that point. We did know that Spock's father was a Vulcan. Mm-hmm. And his mother was human, but that's that, that was basically all we knew about. Mm-hmm. Well, Sark and Amanda. We knew that he'd obviously like <clears throat> chosen his father's way over his mother's, which he talked about, mm-hmm. right. um, and a few other small, yeah, like little bits. And then she completely fleshed it out in such a beautiful, thorough way, mm-hmm. intriguing yeah. way that if you think about it, those ca- like Sark and Amanda and Spock have all appeared multiple times. Yep. Different yeah, actors, right. different different series, but they're just people want to keep coming back to them. The the, yeah. the animated series, TNG, the Kelvin verse, and then Discovery, right? Yeah. Yep, so in every era they've been there somewhere. And she just created like those two characters are so fully realized in that episode. Yes, 100%. Yeah, they feel like completely full real people. And Dorothy had a Dorothy's two greatest gifts, I thought, were her ability to write characters extremely well mm. and give them these unforgettable words that we still quote to this day. Mm-hmm. Like she yeah. she would write these wonderful passages of dialogue that you could just chew on. It was fantastic. Okay, so so my absolute favorite episode of the original series is one she did that we have listed here is the uh, the Enterprise incident, and the yep. the thing I love most about that, and I'm sure I've told you this guys this to you guys already, is the way it's flipped that um, the Enterprise crew is kind of the villains of that story. They're definitely the antagonists, the antagonists, mm-hmm. right? They and are. she yeah, also yeah. flips <laughs> that Kirk is not the ladies' man in that uh, Spock is. Right? right, and I like that right. she keyed into this idea that some women prefer Spocks over Kirks. Yep. Mm-hmm. I know that she was not thrilled with the way that episode. Yeah, turned out. you know it's <clears> funny. <throat> I was just reading that she wasn't too happy with the rewrites and stuff, but it's a it's yeah. a darn good episode, especially. It's the first three. episode of Star Trek I ever watched. Oh, really? Be, that's yeah. funny. I got to be honest; it's not one of my favorites. I did. I loved uh, the wonderful clothes 
<laughs> I loved the Romulan her yeah, awesome yeah. swirly dress. Joanne Linville. Yeah. yeah, and I liked you know, and there was some they it was there was some fun stuff in it, but I, yeah, I didn't like that they were stealing the cloaking device, and I didn't like the whole. I, I just the whole seduction thing. I mean, maybe because I was a kid and it bothered me in that way. I don't know. I was a pretty sophisticated kid, though. But uh, yeah, <laughs> I did. It just felt out of character for Spock to me, honestly. Yeah, yeah. It was an interesting idea, though. The idea that they would be involved in some kind of covert operation, and that they would be hung out to dry if things went wrong, mm. like like Mission Impossible. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's it's Desi Lu's sibling right there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're shooting right across the lot. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, Dorothy wrote so many great episodes. So we could just rattle them off really quickly from the original series: Charlie X, Tomorrow Is Yesterday, This Side of Paradise, Cat's Paw, Journey to Babel, Friday's Child, by any other name, The Ultimate Computer, The Enterprise Incident, and then two kind of turkeys from the third season that which survives and the way to eden which of course she had left by then so they were written by other people and she wasn't yeah. super happy with well, that especially right. the way to eden the oh, way to yeah. eden was supposed to be it's dramatically different about yeah. dr mccoy's daughter yeah joanna right joanna and mm-hmm. like they threw that out fred freiberger and arthur singer threw that out completely <sighs> yep and yeah so dorothy took her name off of darn right that and mm-hmm. that which survives, which is another kind of stupid episode. Mm. Yeah, yeah, you can see why. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She would take oh, yeah. her name off. Yeah. Although I do like the, I like the I am for you, James T. Kirk. <laughs> yeah. And then Lee Merriweather is is great, but yeah. Like, yeah. You know, but right. I look at ones like by any other name has always been a favorite. I love of mine. by any other name. Yeah. yeah. Because it is like she added a lot of that playful, fun stuff to lighten yes. it up. Yes. And honestly, it is so much fun to watch. Like it's it's a great story. It's a very typical, like perfect Star Trek morality tale of like they actually offer to help the people who've taken over the ship and try to, you know, try to take over the yeah, ship. Right. And they're like, we'll help you anyway. But it's yep. also just there's so much fun, playful stuff along the way. Scotty uh, and the drinking and the yeah, oh, that, that's so that's green. a highlight. It's yeah. green. Yeah, <laughs> we did it. Me yeah. and you. Yeah. <laughs> and, and Kirk, of course, provoking jealousy, you know, and, and you know, it's just classic stuff right it's there. It's so good. Yeah, there's a lot. There you go. There's a lot of great character stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A lot of great characters. And re- speaking of great character, of course, the ultimate computer has essentially yeah. like a genius breaking down. I mean, yeah. an amazing, amazing, yeah. you know, breakdown and, you know, prescient in the sense that it's talking about, you know, AI and do we want total control over you know automation and mm-hmm. well it's, honestly it's, it's still relevant it's still completely relevant oh yeah today. absolutely yeah mm. yeah what what does McCoy say in the episode we all feel sorry for the next guy when he loses his job to a machine but when it comes to your job that's different uh-huh. and it always and it always will be different yeah yeah I mean that's right there's always got to be somebody who there's a human intelligence factor right to that you yeah. don't just let your drones run amok you know yeah and you know dorothy very rarely focused on kirk but that's a that's a kirk episode yeah and it's and it's It's darn good yeah there's a lot of nice sensitivity to kirk you know in that episode yeah well no go ahead go ahead oh well the other thing is the influence of um that episode with the daystrom institute right just little things like that that she introduced sure it carries forward huge impact on the franchise yeah yep yep yeah, some of the dialogue in that episode is so good. Oh yeah, the, the stuff with McCoy and Kirk and Kirk's quarters is just you know you know the Sea Fever poem and then yes. Kirk kind of waxing poetic and it gets very kind of romantic about exploration and stuff and it just shows that Dorothy just completely had command of the entire <laughs> show. Oh yeah, <laughs> she got it. She absolutely got she it. She did. Yeah, and knew how to have like Friday's Child is a lot of fun. Also. Mm-hmm. It's just a really yep. Julie Newmar. Yep. Catwoman Newmar. number two, by the way. We have two <laughs> Catwomen like, show up in she, the TOS. She's the definitive right. Catwoman. Oh, yes. She is. is. She, she absolutely is. is. Yeah, That's a fun episode. It's a it's a classic kind of stereotypical hokey TOS episode, but yeah. it's a good one. Well, and I, I love when McCoy gets to shine. McCoy. Which he absolutely <laughs> yeah. does. McCoy. 
I'm a doctor, not an escalator. Oh, yeah. I love it. I love it. The child's name is Leonard James Aka-R. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I think you two are going to be insufferably pleased with yourselves for at least, a, what, a week or a it's month? I forget so what it is. so good. That's great. Yeah. Spock gets indignant. <laughs> He's yeah. had it. <laughs> yeah, that look on his face, like, oh, man. Uh, yeah. Uh, she... uh, another nice little moment that I, I, I have a feeling is a Dorothy moment is... In tomorrow is yesterday when, um, oh, dang it! Now my brain, Captain brain Christopher. Flirt. Yes, Captain Christopher. Thank you. I want to say Pike, but that's wrong. See, but Christopher. That name is a uh, popular. Anyway, Christopher's walking around. Captain Christopher's walking around. Of course, he sees a crew woman. You know, a female. Mm-hmm. And he's all, oh, wow, you know, you have a mixed service woman, you know, and he's Whoa. like a, a woman. And, of course, Kirk just just corrects him nicely and just says, a, a, you know, it's a, it's an officer, like as a crew member. What are you talking about? Mm-hmm. Like, we don't need to, you know, get into this, oh, my God, you're serving a si- alongside women thing. And it's just such a beautiful little, like, correction of this, like, yeah. you know. Well, his, it makes sense, though. It yeah, makes perfect he's sense. He's a 60s man, so. Yes, yeah. So, but I think that's great, and I have a feeling that's a Dorothy moment of just like, nope, we're just gonna oh yeah correct totally. this, you know, yeah. idea that it's you you know it stands out as unusual in some way, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I liked it. Absolutely. I've always liked that. Well, I think that we bit should. With the ship's computer is cute too. Oh, the ship's computer thing. Maybe a little. That's a little too goofy, and I it's think it's dopey. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think it's there to put a little levity on the on the proceedings. It is, but <laughs> yeah. Uh, the less said about that, the better, I think. But <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> um, and then I think the one thing that she does in Charlie X that we've talked about that has kind of mediocre, but I think the one thing that we were just talking about the sort of sensitivity to characters and like the sensitivity to Kirk in the ultimate computer. I think it's early on. It also gives some sensitivity to Kirk. It shows him as sort of a more paternal influence. Mm -hmm. And you know, it's, it's, it it is a little, it it fleshes out what would be otherwise be kind of a crappy, awkward episode. into some nice, some nice moments between him and Charlie. Yeah. He's definitely playing big brother. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and and it's nicer. Like I think they, it could have been a lot worse, quite frankly. Like, no, you're right. You're you absolutely know? right about that. So before I just want to work that in there before we leave t- the TOS phase of her career. I was just yeah. thinking no, about no, that. Absolutely. Yeah. I also and so I think it's really fitting then that we just talked about how how great you know Dorothy was for for TOS that in, in when it came to the you know the animated series she was you know that there isn't this term especially in the 60s there wasn't this term but for kind of a modern term she was you know for lack of a better term she was kind of the showrunner especially for the first well specifically for the first season of the animated series you know Mm -hmm. and i think that's really great and i think that's really fitting that she got to essentially oversee the next iteration of star trek which that, I think Gene, Gene completely trusted her too. Right, exactly. He completely trusts her to do this, and she was able to get some very good writers as a result. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. some oh, notable yeah, ones, so. like from back from the from the original series and sci-fi writers, and she was just very interested in in working yeah, with Larry all those Niven. people. Yeah, right, right. It helps yeah. that there was a writer strike looming, <laughs> but yes. <laughs> but but I mean, it's to her credit that she could. Yeah. <laughs> And then again, right? Like, hello, here's another incredibly important Spock mm. episode. Yesteryear, yeah, and that's all Dorothy. Mm-hmm. Which has a lot of influence. We see that. We see keep seeing yeah, it. That has it a bit of a tail forward. to it. Yep. Yeah. And 09 owes a lot to yesteryear. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes. The beginning yes. Vulcan. Yeah. Yep. Yes. Yeah. And again, she took, she started with like the little story that was told in Journey to Babel, right? Mm-hmm. That's right. Yep. You know, she starts with that or a little bit from from City on the Edge of Forever and she takes these two things and puts them together and right. then turns them into a, n- a new mythology that then has a longer life beyond that. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's even when, you know, there was a debate for is the animated series canon, is it not, blah, blah, blah. But it's one of those episodes that always was considered part of Spock's story no matter what. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah you, you can't argue against that for sure. Like, yeah. It's easily the best episode of the animated series. No question. Mm-hmm. It, it is like great Star Trek. Mm-hmm. It's got a lesson in it about dealing with loss. It does, yeah. You know that I think that was the episode. I think that was the first episode. It aired as the first episode of the series in some markets. And I think it was Variety 
did a review of the series and said it was basically way too good for Saturday morning. They called it a, a Mercedes in a soapbox derby. <laughs> <laughs> because if you watch yesteryear, compare it against everything else that was airing, even now if you put yesteryear on against uh, the quality of the storytelling. Like, oh, yeah, because, I mean, it was up against, you know, like what, Scooby-Doo? And, Scooby-Doo and stuff <laughs> And, like that. Yeah. you know, Fat Albert maybe and, yeah, yeah. whatever. Yeah. 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 So it was quite a it was quite a leap, you know. They they were still even though it definitely had Saturday morning roots, the, the animated series. It definitely those were, were recognizably Star Trek stories. Oh yeah. Mhm. Yes, indeed. So I'm not sure what else we have to say about the animated series because well, so just to, just to button it up, she she did she oversaw the first season and then kind of left cuz things sort of you know the second the second season isn't even really a full season it was just sort no. of it was, it was just sort of tacked on yeah six more six episodes that's how yeah. yeah that's how filmation that was how things were done in those days yeah so and it just sort of became a kind of well we're gonna make six more and whatever and it all you know sort of faded into the ether so but she was directly involved very very much so in the very in the first season which is what mm-hmm. really matters you yeah. know of the animated series so I think a lot of credit needs to go to her for essentially show running the animated series. Absolutely. Yeah. And then of course there's a whole movie franchise that even Gene wasn't really involved in and that we've talked about before. And mm. then 1987 hooray. The next generation yep. is starts to get formed, you know, with Gene right. and of course who does Gene recruit, but, the old guard that he can trust kind of like we talked about you know this circle of trust that he had bob justman david gerald dorothy all these people you know he brings on to help develop and things went south (laughs) and as we know development though was obviously all done by them right right like dorothy and david gerald were kind of gene's right and left arm creatively he bounced a lot of ideas off of them and and then ideas from them yeah and then unfortunately as we know from things like chaos and the bridge and what other people have said, it just became a real mess. And yeah, without getting into it, Gene's lawyer was a very disruptive influence and alienated yes. virtually anybody Everyone that, that was remotely close to Gene Roddenberry. Exactly. And, and yes. clearly viewed Dorothy and David Gerald as threats. As threats. Yeah. Which is ridiculous, but whatever. And, and drove <sighs> them out. Yeah. So and, there you go. So uh, of the five episodes she wrote for next gen, most of them she actually took her name off and used a pseudonym for because she hated the way it was rewritten hmm, you know it's right. just like oh yeah, yeah. that's a the shame naked now God. yeah the, yeah the naked now Ugh. And, yeah that was she was she credited her as a uh, j michael bingham yeah but she co-wrote the pilot with gene yep that's right far point um she wrote most of the actual Farpoint story. Right. The Farpoint was hers. The Q part was Gene's. Right. Yeah. They decided that they needed to make the, the make it an hour and a half, basically make it feature length, and that's where the Q stuff came from. Hmm. And it got nominated for a Hugo. It's not, a, as we all discussed in the past, it's not a great episode of Star Trek. No, it's yeah, not but really. at the time, the first episode of Star Trek in 18 years, who's not yeah. going to be excited about that? Oh, yeah. No, right. of course. Yeah. I remember very well where I was when... when it was broadcast. Well, one little one standout though that she did in season one, I think, is is Heart of Glory, which that's, is great. I actually, that's a great, which episode. is a great. Mm-hmm. And actually, I did not, it did, I did not remember that she was involved in that because the story goes to you know Maurice Hurley gets a lot of the credit for it, but I forgot that she was involved in in uh, writing that story, the story for Heart of Glory. That's actually you know a good season one episode. So yeah, that's cool. I'm glad to see that she. That's you know, it's glad to see that her name wasn't something of quality before she left. You know, she it wasn't rewritten into terribleness. You know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it's, I feel it, bad about that. Yeah, it's one of the watchable season one episodes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. And, and again, starts to develop an alien. You know, starts sure. to develop yep. Worf's yeah. backstory. Something that obviously I think she has a knack for, considering you know how much she was influential in developing. Uh, Spock's backstory. I think it's great. See, she's she sort of picks up on these things and starts to develop yeah. it. Well, so. she also looks at them in depth instead of just coming up with things that might be fun to see. Right. She exactly. thinks very deeply about how does it make sense with the way this culture exists, this species exists, and tries to weave a very rich uh, 
tapestry because i said weave but um she tries <laughs> to paint a picture that shows this a whole history of a people and a culture of a people that actually makes sense that has some mm, consistency yeah. to it and some reasoning mm. behind it which frequently writing for the klingons does not yeah <laughs> yeah that's true well anything else oh no the thing we need to do mention okay we need to make a um a, mention, a Deep Space Nine mention of her where mm. in the episode Far Beyond the Stars, and maybe everybody listening already knows this, where they have the writers from the 50s and the Nana Visitor is playing a writer named Casey Hunter and she's using her initials to obscure that she's a woman. Obviously, they're pointing at a very specific female science fiction writer, right? Yes. Right. Yes, very much so. Definitely an homage to DC Fontana. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yep. And she also wrote an episode of Deep Space Nine. Well, she that's did right, the teleplay. She did. Yeah. yeah. Yep. She did Dax. Dax. And it, that's, a, you know, it's, it's a pretty good season one episode. Yeah. Too, I have to it's say. not terrible. Yeah. I, I, I like it. Like, I've always enjoyed that. It's, you know, the it's an intriguing idea for Dax, which is like, can your previous host, you know, you something your previous host did, are you responsible for that? You know, legally, like, can you be legally held responsible for what your previous host Curzon of course because Curzon's a dirty old bastard you know <laughs> <laughs> he's always getting into trouble is what is what we learn right yes, yes. but what a previous host did um it's you know that's a fascinating idea because like that's something that of course humans don't have to worry about but a, a species that you know is part one thing and part another and, and one part lives on like yeah, yeah what do you do right like that's really interesting and yeah so that's mm-hmm. that's really cool that she got to put her name on something early on in deep space nine like that absolutely yeah and that was the last of the televised star trek shows that dorothy wrote for yeah that's it for Um, tv yeah but she wrote she's written some star she wrote some star trek novels she wrote a couple of star trek comics she wrote some of the video games so she didn't stop she didn't stop and she worked with gene on other i mean before Deep Space she Nine, did. obviously. But That's on true, some right. of his other In non-Trek projects, she did yeah. an episode of Earth Final Conflict. She wrote the novel for the Quester tapes and I guess worked on it but didn't write it. Right. I read that novel. <laughs> was it good? I enjoyed it. I won't... I don't know what age I was. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe 10, but I enjoyed it. I mean, she had it. She also had a, you know, she wrote Six Million Dollar Man episodes, the mm. one with Farrah Fawcett, yep. yeah, um, and and various other shows. She contributed to a lot. Like I would say to anyone, also like go up and I would look up her credits to anyone who's interested, and also just read about her life because it's, you know, I read this great thing that she said where she, when she started writing and even just working as a secretary at TV studios, she would tell everybody that she wanted to write. And then mm-hmm. she would tell everybody that she wanted to learn how TV was made. And so she would show up on sets and she would go to meetings and she would go to edit rooms and find out everything that she could. And obviously it showed. And she was a that's, natural. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yeah. Just amazing. Yeah. Looking over IMDb for a second because I forgot like how much she also did in the 70s outside of Trek. She, she really was, you know, it's she's one of those people that really did touch all kinds of tv shows you know she was a go-to person to write stuff yep she'd written four episodes of you know the streets of san francisco which is i love that show uh she'd written (laughs) she even wrote a buck rogers episode which obviously (laughs) has a pseudonym i'm sure she wasn't like in love with that but no the logan's run tv show the short-lived tv version of logan's run yeah that's cool hell she wrote an episode of he-man that's really surprising are you serious yeah, and she 1985. Did, she said wow. uh, she did Land of the Lost. I think David Gerald hired her. To yes, do Land she did of Land of the Lost, the right? Because David Gerald, yeah, that's and awesome. I see episodes of the Waltons, Dallas, like all kinds of stuff. So. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. Like you can see in this in this 70s, you know, she became she was a go-to person. Yep. Oh yeah. Yeah, which is great. I mean, if if you can get steady, you know, gigs as a go-to like TV writer, that's a great place to be. So mm-hmm. it's oh, no yeah. joke. Yeah. Oh, and she wrote, that's right. I forgot she wrote a couple episodes of Babylon 5. Oh, which one? That's ones? pretty cool, too. They're in there. Uh, a Distant Star, Legacies, and The War Prayer. Oh, okay. Yeah. I guess I, I'm... It's, it's, it's early on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think she was one of those people who was helping give it a little bit of a legitimacy uh, I while think it was so getting too, yeah. its sea legs. Mm, probably. Yeah, I think so, too. Yeah. 
but yeah so again like really cool really good career honestly you know all throughout well, tv not just trick yep. yeah and she spent the last i don't know how many years working at the american film institute teaching yeah teaching yeah that's right that's right well that's a great person to learn from right there yeah pay it yeah. forward absolutely yeah, yeah. I was also listening to uh, the interview that Aaron Harvey did with her on his podcast. Oh, which is a fantastic interview. And it's a great interview. I highly Mm -hmm. recommend it. And uh, but she talked about how she'd done Six Million Dollar Man and and didn't do the bionic woman, but ran into Lindsay Wagner like at a party years later (laughs) or something and said, Mm -hmm. you know, I wish I could have written one. And Lindsay Wagner was like, I wish you could have, too. Uh, yeah, right. What a great moment That's to have great. over to the couch and seen those two having that conversation. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Love it. She would have been perfect for that show. I was. Yes, of course. A yeah, she totally would have. Yeah. yeah. She totally would have. Yeah. yeah. All right, should we move on to Renee? Yes. Uh-huh. So, so yeah. like bridging from Deep Space Nine and Dax for Deep Space Nine to Odo in Deep Space Nine, I guess this is a good right way to bridge it, huh? Yep. So, yeah, another person we just lost, and this is really, uh, I think, even more surprising in a way, because I, I feel like 90s Trek people, you know, people who are in 90s Trek, we shouldn't be losing them. That, that, wasn't, that feels like that, sh- that wasn't that long ago. You know what I mean? No. I, I feel like I have a harder time wrapping my head around this. But uh, Rene Aubergenois, unfortunately, lost his battle to cancer last week. And I didn't even know. We know. I, th- I think he was keeping it pretty quiet because I didn't even he know was. he was he was ill. I um, had no idea. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously, people close to you know his friends knew, but definitely it wasn't public. You know, it wasn't out in the press at all. Mm-hmm. No. So yeah, he unfortunate, and he was you know he was seventy nine. So you know, not a spring chicken, but also like my goodness, that's not you know this day and age you live to ninety easily. Yeah. Sure. So, he was very vital. Yeah. Exactly. He always seemed so He's energetic been, at conventions. Right. Exactly. Always lively. Always an interesting character. So, Sweet guy. Yeah. I mean, he seemed like a real pro. A guy who's done everything, right? I mean, he's worked everywhere. Yeah. He <laughs> he always struck me as a guy who, if he didn't love Star Trek, he wouldn't have needed to come to the conventions, right? This is not oh, a sure, guy yeah. who had trouble paying his bills every month. No, oh, not, yeah, definitely no. not. Yeah. not. He yeah. was working, I mean, between with plays, movies, and TV shows. And, and voice animated work. shows yeah. and he was a regular on three different series he's in yep. everything like as mm-hmm. you watch any things you watched as a kid yeah. that you don't remember you watch it again and there he is yeah. he's yeah. there yeah i mean like yeah. i was like last year i was flipping by a repeat of charlie's angels and there he is being like a skis ball you know <laughs> roller roller disco owner or something yes. like that oh my god i totally remember yeah. that episode. yeah and, and i'm going oh yeah look there he is he's in everything you know it's just like he's, he's in every sh- if you and watch tv in a certain era he turned up he is. everywhere throughout the 70s yeah. and 80s he is in everything and it's he's really different impressive. in everything he's amazing yeah. in yeah. everything he's so yeah. different and yeah. he's worked with every famous person, every director, every actor <laughs> yeah, you've ever heard right? of. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. It's, and then the other true. sort of lovely part about him is that he and his wife were together. They were heading up to 60 years together. Oh, I didn't know that. Really? Wow. Yeah. Impressive. Good yeah, for like, them. I think it's like 56 years or something they'd been together. Wow. And, wow. uh, and two kids. And obviously seems like a family, you know, very close to everybody. So it's obviously sort of a lovely person. And again, I recommend a, a quick look at something like Wikipedia and you look at his family background and it's fascinating. So yeah. um, I highly recommend. I hope someone does yeah. like a detailed uh, biography of him. Hmm. Yeah. They should. They really should. So let's run through some of his more more famous work items. I mean, you mentioned three series. The the big one that Star Trek fans know besides Deep Space Nine is Boston Legal, which he was on with, with Shatner, of course. And right. then Benson. That's the one I remember Benson, as a kid. Yeah. I, re- I never really yeah. watched Benson, but when he was on Deep Space Nine, I recognized from having just seen clips of it on, on TV Benson. when I was yeah. younger. Yeah, I, I think yeah. most people, that's what they remember him for the most. Yeah, I think so too. The one thing I also want to mention, and it's in our notes here, is he played Father Mulcahy in the MASH movie. That's right. Mm-hmm. And yep. the thing I always – and, of course, I loved MASH, the TV show, but uh, uh, I as a kid, but the movie is perhaps a little bit more an uh, adult. Yeah, it's quite a bit oh, different yeah. than the TV show. Yeah, yeah. way different. <laughs> but, but John Chuck, 
who was in a couple of the movies and who guest starred on a variety of different episodes of Star Trek. He was also in Mash the movie, mm-hmm. and I always right. painless. Yeah, I always yeah exactly. I always wanted to see the two of them talk about that at a convention once because Chuck would he comes to conventions almost every year. I think he does. He does. So I thought that would have been a cool just little coincidence that they were both on this thing that ended up to be so influential in the 70s and 80s. Mm-hmm. And he worked with uh, Robert Altman a whole you know, other a times lot. after that, yeah. too. Right. So. Yeah. Yep. Bruce and McCloud, McCabe and Mrs. Miller, the player. Hmm. Check out McCabe and Mrs. Miller if you haven't seen it. It's I, really good. I, I was going to ask which of those three you'd recommend, so I'll have to make a little note of that. Yeah, definitely McCabe. Okay, and then the other thing that I think, I don't know if he's necessarily the most famous for, but it's the thing I think he's done that is the most famous, is he was in Little Mermaid. Yeah. And he <laughs> sang That's true. Yeah, yeah. He sang Especially if you're of a certain age, you know him, his voice work. You know, sure. That. Yeah. 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 And when mm-hmm. he, he didn't just do the voice work, he also sang the song uh, Le Poisson. Yes. Yeah. Which is yeah. very, very exactly. memorable. It's a very catchy little, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, indeed. So, really, we're talking about a Renaissance man. I mean, seriously, mm-hmm. like he can do all kinds of stuff. I mean, it's yep. it's pretty great. He won a he won a Tony also. What? Right. Yeah, See, did, this is the thing. He was on it's Broadway amazing. a bunch. He did. Yeah, he did a lot, a lot, and he directed theater also. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he directed he a, a number of Deep Space Nine. Speaking of direction, he directed a number of Deep Space Nine episodes too. Yeah. He did. Yeah. And DS9 was not the only Trek he was in. He was in deleted scenes of, from the Undiscovered Country. Yes. So, and then, of course, which were reintegrated in a lot of the home the first home video releases. Yeah. Which right. is the Scooby-Doo ending. The Scooby-Doo. Thank you. Thank you for <laughs> yes. saying that. It was not terrible that that storyline got cut out. Yeah. 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 He, it's, he was it's playing a character best. named Colonel West. It was pretty yeah. terrible. Yep. He, he yeah. was there because he's a friend. Of, he was a friend of Nick Myers. That's why he did it. He well, right. and and yeah. and that character's name is one of the stupidest uh, attempts at social commentary that Star Trek has made. Because oh, right, because Colonel, and then pick a direction that's not north. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I, f- I always for- I forget I about that. I never picked up on that. Are you oh, serious? God. Yeah. It's no. so stupid. Yeah. It's so stupid. Well, also. Yeah. The, oh, you know, it also raises like canonical issues of like, why is he a colonel when that's not yeah, the there is structure no we've ever <laughs> heard of? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's definitely there for exactly that reason, Jared. As you said, a very clumsy sort of. Yeah. Well, and and like Gorkon is named Gorkon because it's like a play on Gorbachev, right. and it's like, sure. Nick, come on, man. Yeah. Yeah, it eh. was not subtle. That's no, right. not at all. And he was also on Enterprise. That's right. He yeah. helped kick off the you know the first season of Enterprise. He showed up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wait, which episode? I don't remember that. It's called Oasis. Yeah. Huh. It's not honestly a lot of the first season is not particularly memorable, but no, it's he not. was in there. It's rather boring, actually. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it, it was it was designed for a different time. It, yeah. it, you know, Enterprise was just, it's not a bad show. It's just kind of boring. It's, I was going to say, I actually tried rewatching that episode today. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh, and Annie Worsing is in it too. And I like her. She was on Timeless. And as I'm watching, I just realize I'm not paying attention anymore. Ah, <laughs> because yeah, yeah. it well, is. The, the burnout that these guys had from doing Voyager and then going right into Enterprise is is so obvious. You know, yes, it's just, it is. they just. You just feel that they're phoning it in because they're just so tired and burned yeah. out. <laughs> it's so sad. It's also there's anyway. a little creepy moment at the beginning where they're talking to some guy who's like a trader and says, oh, I can get you some silk, whatever. And Trip turns to T'Pol and says, you'd look really good in a silk, blah, blah, blah. Oh, I'm Trip, like, What the hell God. kind of a conversation is that to have? Yeah, that's no good. So, yeah. But yeah. that was not Renee's fault. He had nothing. He wasn't even in the scene. Oh, no, not at all. He was perfectly <laughs> fine in, the, in his role. Like, yeah. yeah. Uh, also, the very first time they they meet Paul, Archer threatens to beat her up. So I think there were some human resources issues with regards to their full Vulcan crew. <laughs> uh, yes, yes. Anyway, way off topic. Yeah, I mean, we should talk about Deep Space Nine because his work of on course. that show was incredible. Because, my goodness, yes. Odo is yeah. a fantastic character. Yep. And the fact that he could take this character that had an origin that was completely new to us this whole story and actually make it a completely believable rich character yeah because he could have been a real just a just a a, a grumpy like jerk 
security guy, right? I mean, if, if that's sort of the outline of the character, you know, like as he started is that's it, you know, mm. but there's a lot more to it, of course. Yeah, so much depth and so much yeah. going on. And the more we learned about his origins and where he came from, even before we knew actually where he came from, but we just learned about what his early life was like. Yeah. Yeah. He just, he played the emotion of it. So with the perfect balance yep. and where mm-hmm. you could see that there was a lot going on inside, even when it wasn't going on on the outside. And he, he just did a beautiful job of playing yeah. a complicated story in a, in a very simple way almost. And underneath all of that makeup. Yeah. Good point. It's really hard to emote underneath all that makeup. And, and, and the makeup, I feel like in the first couple episodes, was lighter than what it came to be for most of the series. Because yeah. I seem to remember yes. in, the, yeah, in, very early on. in the pilot, he he only looks a little non-human, right? And, the, and for whatever reason, they chose to add more. Right. Well, that was like Michael Dorn on TNG. The same way. Oh, that's true. Yeah. That's true. Yeah, I don't know what the I wonder what the decision for that was. So my my favorite Odo episode that I wanted to mention is called Necessary Evil. It's oh, a, it's good a second one. I was going to bring that episode. up if you didn't. Oh, good, good. Uh, and this is one of those ones where they're really reinforcing this is not the Enterprise D. This is not people who've grown up with uh, safety and security and full bellies every day of their life, right? These mm-hmm. are this is this uh, the stories of people who've who've uh, um, uh, maybe had to struggle to survive, and in some of their struggles, they may have made some decisions that um, uh, 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 Counselor Croy might not have had to make as a young woman in as a daughter of the fifth house of Beta Z, right? <laughs> right. And and what Very it is much. is is it's a flashback where we see there's a murder mystery that gets reopened from when that was basically Odo's first assignment when he became security chief under Goldacott. Uh, Ducat wanted him because he wanted somebody who, and I don't want to necessarily spoil the episode, but the reason Odo had this job is because he was someone both the Bajorans and the Cardassians could trust and yada, yada, yada. Maybe it seems like even Odo was not a, uh, a paragon of virtue during the occupation. Terrific, mm, terrific right. episode. Terrific, yeah. So good. Anyway, does anyone else have favorite Odo episodes they, they want to mention? Yeah, I have a few. I mean, I I wasn't I didn't always love Loxana, but I loved her with him. And when they get <laughs> when they get yeah, tra- trapped true. together in the elevator in the Forsaken, that whole scene which had the potential mm-hmm. to make me not happy, mm-hmm. I ended up loving. I thought mm-hmm. it was great. I thought it showed a side of her that we hadn't really seen before yeah Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so and we saw his vulnerability and i thought he played it again so well and so emotionally and beautifully Mm -hmm. and then and then to completely contrast that i love him and i mean tribunal's a favorite episode of mine anyway but i i like him in that one because he's so determined he's so he's you know it's all i call him super justice man in that one because he's (laughs) so He's, oh, this yeah, this just, is the one where O'Brien gets captured by the Cardassians. Yeah, yeah. Yep. And presumed guilty. Right. Of course. So. Right. And I also actually liked him when he had to be Curzon Odo. Oh, yes, yeah, he's so good in that. Yeah. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah he takes on Curzon. Of course, Curzon doesn't want to leave, right? You know, it's like, if you got to be a shapeshifter, why would you leave? Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But he does such a such a nice job of you know his acting is amazing in that one. Yeah, he's like two people in one. It's really amazing. Mm-hmm. He does such a good job with that. Yeah, yeah. I I do remember when he was cast on the show, being very impressed that, that Trek could actually land him. Yep. Well, nineties Trek had that kind of clout. <laughs> it did. Yeah. It did. It did. Mm-hmm. Coming off TNG, it was coming yeah. off tng's momentum so yeah. exactly yeah and and so much of that is is patrick stewart's influence because i'm sure so many other people oh, looked sure. at it and said oh if it's good enough for this guy yeah it's good enough for me yeah no yeah. question yeah, yeah. shakespearean yeah, actor can do it so can i yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah he was a huge gift for that show maybe people don't realize that now but he was because he i guess he was kind of like the lavar burton he was the the one yeah. who had a little bit more of name recognition yeah mm-hmm. i think so because it's like we talked about, most people knew him from Benson at that point, at, yep. at least. Yeah, that's why. That's I think that was at that point in my life. I think that was the only thing I knew him from. Maybe Mesh, right? But that was that, not much else. Yeah, an occasional guest star roles, but yeah, 
He had Benson. He was a big... That made him a household name. Mm -hmm. That's how people knew him. So... Mm I think that ran seven years, Benson, something like that. Yeah, something like that. It wow. was it was a big hit. It ran a long yep. time. Oh yeah. Well, because it was a spinoff of Soap, which was a big hit. Of Soap. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Soap. Show. Yeah. Also mm-hmm. a great show. Yeah, I loved I loved Soap. <laughs> yeah. Uh, here's a little wild card that isn't the most amazing, but I think has good Odo moments. Is the Ascent, which is the oh one where yeah yeah Odo and Quark mm-hmm. are stuck, yeah. you know, surviving in the mountain range, basically. Yeah. Oh yeah. I saw that one again recently. Yeah. That was a good one. Yeah, and, and of course, uh, basically, Armin Shimmerman and, you know, Rene Bourgeois do amazing work together. Just the mm. two of them stuck, hating each other as Quark and Odo. But, of <laughs> course, you know, along the way, when you think you're going to die, there's really nice moments where they sort of admit, you know, certain truths about themselves and each other. And it's just really, again, just really great. You basically get to let these two actors just inhabit their characters, you know, and just go go at it. And it's just really great. Yeah, great, great dynamics between the two, mm-hmm. and and I love at the end when I think they're because that was when Odo had been uh, turned into a human, right? Because he wasn't a shapeshifter, because he otherwise right. he could have just right. flown, he could have turned into a bird and flown up. That's to the right. Top of the so he was. That's right. So so, so he was, was more. He couldn't as well. just get away. Yeah, yeah he couldn't he was just a get solid. away. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, oh, thank you, solid. thank you for correcting me. Uh, and so <laughs> at the end, they're both in bio beds in in um, in sick bay or the infirmary, I guess. And even there, they're still like. Uh, insulting each other and making wisecracks at each other yep. to make sure n- the other one doesn't get the last word. Yep. 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 It's great. Yeah, throughout the series, I enjoyed all of their scenes together. I have a special Criterion Blu-ray of McCabe and Mrs. Miller that I was going to bring this year. Oh, uh, oh. Dang. To Vegas to have him sign, and I completely forgot. And I was like, oh, I'll just... It'll yeah, be fun, year. yeah, next year. <laughs> next year. Yeah. Mm. yeah. So. Yeah. That's sad. I was just looking at some of the pictures from Mission New York. Uh, Missions New York, because I haven't been to the Vegas thing yet. It's terrible. But uh, just watching him, he's sitting next to Terry Farrell on the couch, and he just keeps throwing his head back and laughing so hard. And I, there are all these, because I took way more pictures than we ever could possibly need for anything. <laughs> and so <Yeah. laughs> just the way she keeps looking at him, he keeps saying things to her, and she's so fully engaged and everything that he's saying in the relationship just seems so nice and so joyful mm. it was kind of mm-hmm. nice to flip through those cool yeah then it made me sad but it kind of made me yeah. happy at the same time because bittersweet yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah he's much loved well anything else about our favorite security chief uh only that of course he's also worked been worked into family guy because seth MacFarlane loves star trek and there's a really funny moment where he voices himself like as odo talking to stewie as quark and oh it's, really it's a hoot yeah there's, there's a good little moment. oh we have to go find that yeah it's it's a hoot and you know that's how it goes i mean he's well known and seth liked him and caught him for a few minutes or whatever in a voiceover booth and was able to make that fun you know cutaway gag to that <laughs> so you know he's also animated don't worry he'll kill <laughs> he's he's immortalized in animation as well so oh yeah yeah oh yeah. yeah no question yeah the show where he did and um the voice work that i remember watching when i was younger was the uh, the justice league series on cartoon network mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. he played uh and i know he did more than one one character because that's one of the advantages of voice work is you uh, um can masquerade your identity pretty well and i just remember watching an episode like oh hey that's odo this is great yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i always like that yeah you're always like oh i know who that is mm-hmm. all right like yeah he did voiceover work for uh, a video game series that i used to enjoy quite a bit called uncharted oh i didn't know he was involved in that interesting yeah yeah he was involved in one or two of them maybe maybe hmm. i think at least two of them uh yeah i'm just looking at the list right now i see uncharted 2 uncharted 3 yeah there we yeah. go yeah okay that's what i thought yeah so he he did it all man yeah yep indeed classic working actor just yeah that's it classic kept... working actor yeah and he yeah. directed yep. eight episodes of deep space nine Yes, he did. Eight? That many? Really? See? Yeah. Yeah. No, Which, he, uh, he he got into it. it what what good, were yeah. what were a couple of the more notable ones? Uh, let's see. I mean, I don't always remember them by title, so I can list you the titles. Family business, 
quickening. Let he let he who is without sin. <laughs> that's more infamous, that's, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, that's not his fault. That's the no, no, that's not his fault. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Waltz, that's good. Oh, that's yeah. oh, that's a great episode. Yeah, with yeah, Ducat and Cisco. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. his. He directed that. Yeah, it's great. Ferengi love songs. That's pretty goofy, but a good one. That's Ferengi. Talented fellow. Yeah, and apparently wonderful also. Yeah, See, it seems like it. Yeah, I've never heard a bad thing about him. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's true. He will be missed. Oh yeah. I mean, this is one of those things where, like I was saying, like it feels like people who are involved in the Berman era shouldn't be gone yet. And yeah. that's also just means like you can't, you know, it, it, now that means you can't really have like, say, a Deep Space Nine reunion miniseries or something. Sure. You know what I mean? It that just, is true. Th- that probably wasn't ever going to happen, let's be realistic. But like there was that hope, right? You Maybe there could somehow. And no. Yeah. It, yeah. It, it changes it, you know? Yeah, and Aaron Eisenberg gone too. So well, that's true. Yeah. Oh, of course, and Aaron yeah. is gone. But he died way. So young. now, yeah, that's so that's two members. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. died far too young. So that's way two young. members of the cast gone, and it's just me. And it shouldn't. It shouldn't be. You know, this is. Yeah. I mean, I feel '90s Trek. I just wasn't that just yesterday. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. what are you talking about? Uh, that's what happens. Yeah. <laughs> I, I got know, some bad news. It wasn't. I just know. Yesterday. It wasn't just yesterday. I know. And, and you do have to remember, like he he's on the older side. He is on the, the older side, right? Of of you know of that the actors of that era true, true. he and pa- he and Patrick mm. that's true yeah because he's mm-hmm. born in 1940 which is they're crazy. both born in 1940 that's crazy yeah yeah he didn't see and that's again he didn't look it you know I think because he stayed busy no. and he always enjoyed what he did I would not have told you he was that you know 79 nope. no wouldn't have I was actually surprised when I, when he died I was surprised to find out I thought he was very maybe 72 73 yeah, yeah like exactly very surprised to see that he was on the other side of 70 like yeah yeah. One of my favorite Odo moments is at some point, uh, maybe around season three or four, his his uniform had a belt added to it. And mm-hmm, Kira, right. Kira talked about how she liked it, she thought it looked nice. And he says, well, it's not really a belt. I mean, it's not as though I need it to keep my <laughs> pants on. <laughs> because, of course, true. he doesn't really true. wear pants, right? No, he doesn't yeah. wear anything. Technically. No, technically. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I thought that was funny. You know, that's, that's one of those, like, nitpicky things that always amuse me, though, is that, yeah, okay, so all of that's, you know, a, a surface appearance of him, but when he morphs, his badge goes with it, and I'm thinking, like, yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's <laughs> complex circuitry. I don't think you're, I don't think you're, you know, mocking that, you know, in your, it's, like, aping yeah. that. That's the only thing that falls apart, you know, I'm like, ah, that's the only thing. Well, yeah. especially go with you, and 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 that's a mistake. They've just sort of grinned at and said, "Yeah, we oh, know sure. it's wrong." Oh, sure, you just have to go with it, uh, like, and whatever. Yep. Even in the very first episode, he 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 um, morphs through a grate, and when he comes up the other side, like he's got his badge uh-huh. on, and he uses it to call Major Kira. Yeah. So it's yep. like <laughs> at that point, it can't be like the he you know he just like uh, assumed. It, it it melted into his uh, gelatinous form when he shape shifted. <laughs> so even from the very beginning, they were kind of cheating on that. Yeah, they were cheating. It's the only it's the only thing I've all, I've I've always been like, damn it, that's the one thing that bothers me. Yeah, right. Yeah, but oh well, easy to overlook, obviously. Yeah, I'm gonna remember that yep. the next time I want to complain about some bad technology some, and new stuff. Some nitpicky like, thing. Oh, yeah. bad. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's good to keep in mind so forgivable you know it is i mean <laughs> when you have such a great character who cares yeah yeah and honestly it would have been boring if they had to go into this whole like now he has to go get the badge or he has to put it somewhere I know. can like, you believe that boring. he's like he's yeah. like let me stash this over here <laughs> it, it's the kind of thing go. it yeah. would have added tension in one episode to say what about sure. his badge? Oh, he turned into a bird to fly there. He couldn't take it with him, right? That's right. So, and then it, otherwise it would just be annoying. Yeah, yeah. it's like it's like um, let's please not get into the realities of the universal translator because right. right. that's that's not science. It that's, doesn't work. That's magic, <laughs> right? Right. Mm. It doesn't really work out. So, but they yeah. they couldn't do that every <laughs> single episode, or it would get tedious. Yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. It just works. Uh, yeah. I think we've celebrated these two fine yeah. fine trekkers quite well we appreciate their you know all of their great skill and artistry that they've brought to the franchise and they will be missed 
I mean, yeah. yes, absolutely. Very much. So. All right. Well, thanks for hanging in there with us. We, I think we, this was worthwhile to do. Yes, and absolutely. We'll be back with uh, another episode that's, you know, kind of normal news and updates with the next short treks next week. Well, all right. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. Take care. Bye, everybody. Bye, everyone.